Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Friday, June 7th. This week we've launched another series about nutrition. Here's our guest for this podcast introducing himself. Robert Black, professor at Johns Hopkins and Bloomberg School of Public Health. Bob Black, it's a pleasure to have you here with us in the Lancet web office. Normally I'm talking to authors down telephone lines thousands of miles away. You're actually here, which is great. And you're here, Bob, because yesterday, Thursday, June the 6th, was a very important meeting. Tell us about who was at the meeting and the point of it, because there's a lot going on in the field of nutrition at the moment. We've got the G8 summit coming up. We've got that pre-meeting with the UK and Brazil hosting. There's a lot of global activity going on with nutrition on the agenda, isn't there? Yes, there is. We... We're uh, happy to launch the second series uh, in the Lancet on maternal and child nutrition yesterday at the Imperial College. Um, as some of you may know, we published a series in 2008 on maternal and child nutrition. And one of the things that um, was identified in that in that series as important was the focus on uh, the, the time period between conception and the second birthday. And this critical period is now referred to as the thousand days. And so in the new series, we um, were, were certainly able to reaffirm the need to focus on that, uh, that age group. And in fact, with some new analyses related to um, the, um, the importance of maternal nutrition and, and that's effect on, uh, on fetal growth, we actually think there's even more reason to focus on the uh, nutrition of the of girls in adolescence, nutrition of, of mothers at the time of conception or in pregnancy, and and so the early part even of the thousand days we've identified as as even more important. So we had the opportunity to discuss that yesterday, in the um, in the symposium we had at Imperial College. We had. Uh, all of the uh, lead authors of the papers, and then an excellent panel of uh, of others to discuss and uh, and um, have a, a dialogue with the audience of uh, oh, 100 and so people. So I think it was a, an excellent event and good opportunity for us to uh, disseminate the findings and have uh, a, a good dialogue. It's just worth reminding, this was covered in 2008, but but the data, the figures concerning malnutrition and the number of children dying and the effect that has on society, even if children don't die, if they're malnourished and they're stunted, that affects their cognitive development. That, that society plays a huge toll, doesn't it, if, uh, if nutrition is not addressed? Yes, that's right. Uh, there has been some progress since 2008, so I'd say that first, but very slow progress. So even uh, now we're you know, 2011 were the statistics we use for this new series. There's 165 million children who are stunted, and and those those children actually have a higher rate of mortality. But as you say, in addition to the higher rate of death, they have lifelong consequences for their cognitive development, for their um, earning potential as adults, and and that has, of course, the personal and family consequences. But but as much, it has um, very important consequences for the economic growth of countries. And it's estimated that stunting of uh, populations lowers the, um, the, uh, the economic benefit to countries by 8%, the uh, gross domestic product. And so, you know, the, um, the nutrition uh, effects in early childhood, pregnancy and early childhood have lifelong and irreversible consequences. And by malnutrition, the main things we're talking about, do add if I miss something crucial here, we're talking about the importance of breastfeeding, vitamin A supplementation, micronutrients such as zinc, 
this evidence has been known for some time. So the, the key point now is it's scaling up, isn't it? It's actually converting our knowledge into action. Isn't that what you're calling for in this? Certainly area? that's what we're calling for. And we, we did call for that before. And there is some momentum. There's some progress in this. But there is still a very, very large unmet need. So we are saying that these um, proven interventions, and we've identified 10 of them in one of the papers of the series, really need to be scaled up. And that includes, yes, uh, breast, a promotion of breastfeeding, that's exclusive breastfeeding in the first six months, better complementary feeding um, for the, the next uh, 18 months after that. And um, the vitamins and minerals, vitamin A and zinc, very important for risk of mortality. Uh, iodine and iron uh, for uh, developmental aspects. The nutrition in pregnancy that I mentioned, better diet in pregnancy, uh, possibly multiple micronutrient supplements, uh, vitamin and mineral supplements in pregnancy. These are all proven interventions. Um, in, in many areas as well, there's uh, severe acute malnutrition and there are uh, good therapeutic measures now, um, even community-based uh, treatment of uh, severe malnutrition with uh, ready-to-use foods. And so we do uh, recommend that as well as a, as a way to save a lot of lives. In terms of action, converting this to action, and the cost of action, one of the papers does look at costs. It's actually not that expensive, is it? If I read somewhere that it's going to cost $9 billion a year... Yeah, that's right, $9.6 billion. It doesn't sound like a huge amount of money when you consider it that we're talking about the whole world and millions of people here. Yeah, that's right. It, 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 it doesn't sound like that much to me, but of course I'm not a funder who has to come up with the money. The current funding for nutrition programs is, is really quite small. We're talking about uh, only half a billion dollars, so it's, it's a, it is still a large gap, but it, it is not um, an enormous sum for the potential benefits. And, you know, there have been there have been a number of studies related to the economic return on investment in nutrition. For example, the Copenhagen Consensus has identified uh, previously in their, their last round uh, vitamin A and, and zinc as the best global investments for, of any kind in the world. The most recent round has identified nutritional interventions as, as the most uh, most important uh, in the world. And, and that's based on, uh, in their view as economists, um, the economic return on investment. So, for example, a dollar invested in nutrition may return ten dollars to the economy. And so, you know, there there are many benefits um, that that seem to justify the cost. What are the main barriers to better nutritional uh, implementation pr programs, particularly in 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 the poorest uh, parts of the world, or, or where malnutrition is most acute? Is it is it the age-old problem of health systems not being able, just not being developed enough to deliver the care or the interventions that are needed? Well, yeah, I think the first barrier is that, that undernutrition needs to be recognized as a problem that, that has to be addressed. And so there's too much complacency. There's too much uh, acceptance. Well, children are short or children are, are underweight uh, or babies are born at low birth weight. And, and that's somehow considered, um, you know, part of the of the normal situation, and, and it's it's just not normal. It, these are deficiencies. These are um, the nutritional adverse conditions that have bad consequences. And so, the first is for the for countries to really recognize that their population is in need of uh, of interventions and services. I think, as you say, health systems uh, really need to be there for for many of these interventions. But other than something um, that isn't done through a health system like uh, iodized salt. Everything else that we're talking about, all of the other interventions, actually can be delivered by community health workers. So we don't need a sophisticated health system. We don't we don't need um, very highly trained workers. 
you know, to be able to promote breastfeeding or complementary feeding or provide zinc or vitamin A, all we need is uh, is is well, you know, supported community health workers that that really are able to do the job. And many countries now in Africa and South Asia, where the need is greatest, have have very large uh, numbers of community health workers that are part of the health system, are paid, supported, and uh, and we think those workers can can really be the way to drive forward the nutritional programs. Final question then, politics, international politics and advocacy and influencing outside the global health and the nutrition academic community. Clearly there's a great amount of work going on, but you've got to ultimately influence politicians. The G8 meeting is coming up and nutrition is part of, is on the agenda there, I believe. Yes, it is. And, and in fact, you know, we, we timed this um, series release to precede the, um, the G8 and and, and really wanted to put the evidence forward so that um, those who make policy and um, and provide resources could um, could be guided in the best way. Uh, in fact, um, there's there's a meeting actually on uh, on June 8th, so just two days after the, um, the release of the series, that is called Nutrition for Growth. And people have said this is or the pre-G8 meeting. It's the preparatory meeting for the discussions that they will have on uh, food security and nutrition at the G8. And that nutrition for growth meeting, I think, is, is quite high profile. And um, I have uh, great expectations that that the recommendations of the series will, will be seriously considered. The, word, the name nutrition for growth has, uh, has two meanings. One is, of course, physical growth of individuals. But the other is, as they're stressing, and I think important for the G8 uh, interested in economic development is that nutrition, contrib- good nutrition contributes to the economic growth of countries. And, and this is, um, I think, one very strong emphasis that will play out in the G8. Well, it's clearly a very important series, a really critical time for global nutrition. Bob Black, here in the Lancet offices in, in London, thanks for talking to us. My pleasure.